Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How would you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit reset, and that's when you can reach for Coors Light. It's made to chill. Look, it's summertime. Transfer window is coming up. It's gonna get crazy. So if you ever just wanna, again, take a step back and relax, read the transfer rounds, read the gossip rumors, grab a Coors Light. It'll be perfect companion for all those transfer merry-go-rounds. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. The mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when the beer is cold. That way you always know when it's time to chill. When you need to hit reset, just open a Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Now that it's finally hot in Minnesota, I'm going to be looking for an easy beer to drink, and Coors Light is perfect for that. It's lagered, it's cold filtered, and it's cold packaged. It's, again, made to chill. It's crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies perfect for a moment to unwind and so when you want to hit reset reach for the beer that's made to chill get coors light in the new look delivered straight to your door with drizzly or instacart coors brewing company golden colorado and as always celebrate this this is joe cole this is ruben off the cheek and you're listening to the london London is blue Blue Podcast. podcast All right, Chelsea fans, welcome back to another episode of the London Is Blue podcast. As always, your host, Brand, joined by my co-host, Dan, but not Nick. Uh, And Dan, if people are on social media, they might be confused that this is a straight out of Cobham podcast, but it is not. (laughs) Well, no, uh, no Matt Davies Adams, right? So, you know, it can't be straight out of Cobham, but we did a little bit of a mashup with no Nick, Master Sunday, getting a round of golf in. And so we brought Liam Toomey and Simon Johnson back on. You know, obviously Simon has been on more recently, but uh, Liam has uh, been able to take a little time away from raising his new puppy to join us and talk some Chelsea too. Yeah, no Dom Fifield on this one. He's still crying into a pillow somewhere, but um, I'm, I'm sure he'll have recovered in time to record our pod tomorrow. It's nice to be back. Thanks for having me back, guys. Yeah, we definitely missed you. And, and Simon, it's all good to have you back as well. A, a year older since the last time we talked, which you've pointed out a few times. Yeah, and, and I don't think I've aged one bit. I think I still look <laughs> as old as I did a few days ago. <laughs> Before I turn 46, which is my depressing. No, I'm closing in on that half century. Uh, yeah, just needs an away win and a, and a draw. <laughs> exactly. Uh, we love it. Well, obviously, I think... Um, a lot of our a lot of our people, our listeners out there, will be very familiar with uh, you two. So we're excited uh, to have you on and kind of do a collab. But in case you have no idea what this is going to be about, it's the Crystal Palace match review. Uh, so we're going to be covering a lot of different things from the match. Um, obviously, getting into the details and the specifics of what went well, a lot of things. What didn't go well, not a lot of things. And then obviously some dealer's choice at the end. But Dan, before that, your patented three-word match reviews are back and more alive than ever. Well, yeah, a win uh, instills confidence in three-word match reviews. And so there were a fair bit of good ones out there. Rems with the we score goals, question mark. Uh, Preston with the skies, uh, K-A-I, the limit. Honorary uh, Kumquat with the star-spangled demolition. Tana with free-flowing football and the hand clap emojis in there as well. Friend of the podcast, Dean Mears, with the Pulley's Hammy Works, which definitely worked in this match. Craig with the KC Masterpiece, uh, a little bit of uh, fast food humor based off of our last episode there as well. Janique with the Chelsea Women Vibes, which, yes, this was definitely more Chelsea Women scoreline than Chelsea Men scoreline. 
uh, JL with the proper palace paddling, uh, Ian with the Zahaha, a uh, classic 86 rounding us out with the standard Why Not Us? Because, of course. To which B. Janescu saying, I was just going to say this. So clearly, <laughs> clearly a popular line from the Discord. Um, Dan, we'll go ahead and throw it over to you first. What was your three-word match review? Uh, I mean, we, we dominated, so I felt like I had to go with Palace Guards off-duty. <laughs> All right. Uh, I put that was uncomfortable because we have not <laughs> seen a lot of that under uh, Tuchel uh, this season. So uh, happy but uncomfortable nonetheless. Uh, Simon, what about you? I'm going with uh, mentality and attitude simply because that was what was – it was the complete opposite of what happened at, in the West Brom game. From the outset, it was the right mentality, the right attitude. They weren't complacent, and that's what you get. And they, they just were too strong for Palace. So that's what struck me, the difference between the two games, the two different uh, attitudes and the mentality approaches by the players. All right. So then, Liam, over to you, sir, for your three-word match review. Yeah, so I was trying to work in the uh, the the momentous passing of Prince Philip into the weekend as well. Into, but into three words is quite difficult. The closest I could come up with was his Royal Havertz, which was really lame. Um, so uh, what I'm going to go for instead is something completely different, which is XG fulfilled, uh, which I know, love it. I, know, I know Simon will love, um, <laughs> I, reg- I regularly post XG news in the podcast, in our straight out carbon podcast. Um, it feels like, I know it hasn't actually been the case, but it feels like Chelsea have underperformed their expected goals in every single game this season. Um, Timo Werner most notably, but everyone's been guilty to varying degrees so it was it was just quite nice to see a, a very clinical um well actually it wasn't particularly clinical Chelsea performance but um a performance full of goals and full of chances yeah we we regularly talk about the xg under over uh as well so we can we can connect with you on that uh Dan I will let you ceremoniously uh do Nick since he he wrote his in before he had his tea time yeah he did fly like eagles so that's uh that's what he went with and we're just going to leave it like that. I mean, it also kind of ties in like eagles and, and birdies and whatnot. There's like a golf factor. There's a sports factor. He's really trying to cover off on everything here. I'm almost tempted to change mine to because um, <laughs> it's a double-ended, me- double meaning. Uh, new TV delivered. <laughs> because I, d- I don't know whether you um, whether you noticed on my Twitter, um, but on Wednesday night, I, I got back from a, keeping the golf thing going. I got back from around the golf. Um, just before the Porto game, only to find out my TV had broken. Oh. <laughs> so that led to a bit of a disaster. I told all the new one, and it arrived about forty-five minutes before kickoff. So, and you know, like, you know, these sort of fancy. It's not like the old TVs, like me. You know, these old relics, like me, which is just plug in, plug one cable in, and it works. It's you know, you sort of have to do all the, download all the channels and all you know, down, do all the sort of, do all the all plug this in and stuff. So I got it going just in time, but it also delivered because I think some I I made a a joke of it in my uh, the Q and A that I hosted on the Athletic. Um, I made it my blurb, and, just the t- and, and and the readers were going, "Oh, I hope the TV delivers." You know, pro- uh, becomes a lucky omen, and yeah, as, as it proved it, I got to see the uh, a Chelsea great performance in 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 fine colour and vision. 
HD and all that. I love it. <laughs> there it's you probably, go. I've waffled on already. Pro- probably well me. worth the upgrade to the 80 inch TV, Simon. You got, uh, you got to well, see. Well done. You got to see Havertz in 4K. 4K. <laughs> I'm sure we'll get on to it, but yeah, you got to see that that remarkable sort of Bergkamp-esque uh, flick over which he didn't quite finish, you know, from one foot to the other in glorious, glorious colour. So anyway, it's I almost it. like I'm selling the TV now. Crack on, Brandon, I'll shut up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, a uh, referral link will be in Simon's Twitter bio. Just click uh, if you want to know what he got. <laughs> but look, before we get into it, just want to say thank you to Gavin uh, jumping on the Patreon. We had uh, a, a big week for it, so apologies. I was a little slow to getting links out ev- to everyone as I, I was moving, but I'm settled, so no more excuses. Uh, Dan, you do have some Apple podcast reviews that are always helpful. Yeah, I want to thank Chelsea Mariner and Jug Dish Jug Dish, One Fish, Two Fish, Red Fish, Blue Fish, for uh, leaving their five-star Apple podcast review. They actually said that they're going on to family members' devices and leaving it under the family members' Apple Amazing. IDs. So dedication, you know, that's the type of work rate. That's a Mesa Mount level work rate for five-star Apple podcast reviews, and we appreciate it. So uh, leave another Apple podcast review on another family member's device next episode, and we'll give you more shout-outs. They're, they're worth all of them. Um, some housekeeping for Nick. Uh, CJ Usama, the tight end for the Cincinnati Bengals, is going to be back this Tuesday uh, after the Porto match. So that'll be fun. Uh, we got Matt Law next week as well, like we usually do. And then Naz will be with us to break down the FA Cup match next weekend. Clearly a week of friends with The Athletic and then Matt and Naz. And we throw in a professional athlete. Uh, what a life we live, Dan. I, I was not expecting this, uh, but I'm very much enjoying uh, all of the, uh, the amazing don't, don't people. Don't you have access to the calendar and the schedule? You would know this. Yeah. I mean, expecting this, you should expect it. This I'm, is, yeah. I'm saying I'm so surprised that we've achieved this level that all these amazing people are willing to hang out with us. Uh, that's what I'm most excited about. So let's get into the match review. Uh, it was Crystal Palace in the Premier League this past Saturday on the 10th of April at Selwurst Park. Dan's pun, not mine. Tweet at him. Uh, in case you missed the scoreline, Crystal Palace won, Chelsea four. And now we're going to head over to the Chelsea 5th Stand App, the official app from Chelsea FC. They let us post the highlights, so let us remind you what happened. Here we go. Swept in toward Pulisic. Good save by Ita. Really excellent ball in as well from Mason Mount. And Guaita couldn't, uh, Pulisic couldn't have done much more. Everything was right except for the finish. It just didn't go in the goal. There's another chance for Havertz. Can he get a shot off? He can! Oh. He fed it into the corner and put Chelsea in front. Kai Havertz. Breaks the deadlock, a big, big goal for him. Palace just haven't got going at all here. Now we've got out the blocks very quickly, of course the goal will be a massive plus for us. Might be another one here for Christian Pulisic, oh, oh yes! How about this from Chelsea? Tearing Crystal Palace apart. And Havertz, seconds after scoring, turns to creator for Christian Pulisic, who scores on this ground for the second season running. Ball over the top, lovely for Havertz. Oh, what a goal this would be! Great to save it. Can Pulisic put in the rebound? Not quite. What a shame. I mean, you're talking goal of the season if that goes in. From Mount, good ball as well. 3 0. Kurt Zuma against Crystal Palace again. And with half an hour on the clock, Chelsea may well have put this game to bed. It's Crystal Palace 0, Chelsea 3. Fabulous, absolutely fabulous.
Ishlup. Well, it's a good ball, and they have got to go back. And guess who? Christian Benteke against Chelsea again. Now supplying James, got some space to work with. And at the back post is Christian Pulisic to put the cherry on top of the cake for Chelsea. A second of the day for him, a fourth for the Blues. Reese James immediately involved. And any doubt about the final result of this match is surely over now. It's Palace 1, Chelsea 4. Well, what an excellent result for Chelsea. Back into the Premier League's top four again. Crystal Palace 1, Chelsea 4. All right, Dan, lineup time. All right, well, no surprise, that one many between the sticks. It was Rudiger Kurt Zuma coming in for birthday boy Christensen, who was out with a knock, and Cesar Aspilqueta in the back line. Midfield included Jorginho and Kovacic, uh, Jovacic, whatever you want to call them, as the hybrid duo with Calum Hudson-Odoi and Ben Chilwell in the wingback roles. And then Christian Pulisic, Mason Mount, and Kai Havertz as your attackers. On you subs included... Keparitha Balaga, Marcus Alonso, Emerson. That's right, two left backs on the bench per usual. Tammy Abraham makes it to the bench, but not into the match. Timo Werner and Olivier Giroud. That's right, three unused striker substitutes. And then you had Reese James, N'Golo Kante, and Hakim Ziyech, who all made appearances off the bench. Weirdly enough, uh, match stats, Chelsea was 64% possession. We had 23 shots, 10 on target. Crystal Palace with the lone shot and the lone shot on target. Um, let's see. We had 20 tackles to their 14. They had 17 clearances to our nine. We had eight corner kicks to none for them. A couple offsides for us, one to them. Only one caution the entire match going to Palace. And then we conceded 12 fouls to their seven. So, uh, Liam teeing you up on this one as the at XG philosophy putting out there at halftime, Crystal Palace had a 0.00 XG to Chelsea's 1.61. Yet we were leading three nothing at the halftime and then full-time palace creeping their way up with a 0.36 xg to chelsea's 3.38 with a final score of four to one uh as an as an xg enthusiast yourself you just gotta love to see it yeah yeah it was the, like i said i think it was the first time they've overshot their xg um chelsea in, in a while and definitely the first time their xg has been over three that if you don't know that much about how XG works, it doesn't always, it very rarely reflects the number of goals that were actually scored, but it does, it is an indication of the number of chances, the number of clear chances that have been created. And in order to get over three, you have to have seriously dominated the game and created some really good opportunities. Um, That's a non-penalty so, XG as well. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, Jorginho has been padding Chelsea's numbers on that front <laughs> a little bit. And his own. Uh, and his own, yeah. Um, but yeah, so that, that was really good. But just as important, I think, is the Palace XG um, at 0.36. And Chelsea completely, obviously Palace barely competed in the first half and Chelsea were part of that. Palace were part of that. Um, but I think I looked at it um, before this game and the most that any Premier League opponent has got against Tuchel's Chelsea, other than West Brom, because West Brom is the exception to every rule, it seems, um, is 0.65. So Chelsea's defence has been really good beyond just the number of goals they've conceded under Tuchel. They're not giving away many chances. Yeah, that is something they've been really tied on. Uh, Simon, what about lineup for you? I, I have no reason other than just thinking Tuchel might be sneaky. I actually thought he might put Kepa in for this match. Obviously didn't. 
Um, but other than that, I mean, pretty much a strong, or the, I'd say the back seven that you'd expect. We, we've seen constant rotation of the front three. Um, but again, strong lineup, no traditional kind of sweeper center back. So he had to make the one change, but coming off of Porto, playing a palace at the weekend, going back to Porto. He's got a lot on his plate to take into consideration for Tuchel. Yeah, um, it's, it's great. He's got so many decisions. Um, I mean, I, I do, as much as he said, oh, I'm, I, want, I wasn't thinking about Porto, I think he was thinking about Porto. I think some of the selections in mind, uh, Christensen, I don't know what injury he had, maybe like me turning another year older. He got out of bed a bit stiff that morning um, because he's fine. He's fine. He's fit. He's fit for Tuesday. Um, I think it may have just been, or oh, let let let's sort of rest him um, because Tiago Silva is clearly short of minutes, and I don't think you want to sort of risk him in in such a big game. I'd be surprised if he starts against Porto. But yeah, I mean, I I, I think there was an element of the attacking side of things of playing Hudson Odoi's well. Technically, he was a right wing back, but if you um, if you look at his average position, um, he, I think he's the most advanced player. He, he was right up against uh, with Mason Mount, um, which is a real sort of sign of of like what he was what he was producing. Um, and then and then I suppose the most interesting non selection was Timo Werner, um, and and going with Pulisic uh, instead and. All I can say is, and I've written this for the Athletic, is I think Werner now has to genuinely justify returning to the team um, because that front three really clicked, and it wasn't just because Pulisic scored, etc. It's the fact that they combined with their teammates. I think my problem with Werner is, as much as his pace is a, is a useful weapon, his ability to control a football and pass a football. I think often it is 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 to the detriment of the team, and uh, I just think we we saw what can happen when you've got three players that can genuinely combine with each other, rather than a maverick who occasionally something will come off, but more often than not it doesn't. Yeah, I think that's a a great lead into a lot of the things we want to talk about. You know, especially a lot of it about Kai um, and the and the attack because it was all about the attack today. I mean, anytime Chelsea and Artuco put away four goals, we need to focus there. So we're going to take a real quick break for the ads. Uh, thank you to the sponsors for financially supporting the show. When we're back, we're going right into Kai. So here we go. Hey, everyone. Before we get started, I want to tell you about Blue Wire Hustle, a brand new program where you can host your very own podcast here at Blue Wire. Hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level. Or if you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. As part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art, Q&As with Blue Wire's top podcasters, <clears throat> really hope that's us, and access to our community Discord, an e-learning course full of tips and tricks. And on top of that, we'll help you get your show pushed out to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and all of the other listening platforms. And the best part is you can get all of this for only $15 a month. The same rate as any other hosting site would charge you just for the initial setup. So whether you're starting from scratch or have an existing show that you want to grow, Hustle is an open door to leveling up your sports podcasting experience. Acceptance into the program is limited, so get your application in today. To apply, go to bwhustle.com forward slash join. Check out the description box of this episode to find out more, but that's bwhustle.com forward slash join. 
Come hang out with us. We love Blue Wire. You won't be disappointed. Is this, is this where I leave? I'll just let Liam go. <laughs> <laughs> of course not. No, D- Dan, this is what Simon is saying was very, very similar to the conversation that we were having in our WhatsApp with Tweeds about the technical ability um, and kind of the, the interchangeability of this front three. For some reason, it just seemed like the touches were tight, the movement were cr- was crisp, and it was, again, I think I've been talking about Tuchel's constantly tinkering this front three, trying to figure out what works. Maybe his Palace taking a day off. Maybe it was the right combo. I mean, there's so many factors he has to take into consideration, but it worked, and we should just enjoy it. Well, yes. Yeah. Anytime you win 4-1 in the Premier League, you should absolutely enjoy it. And you know, I think with Kai in this role was exciting, you know, I, especially on the goal where he was able to win the ball back and when that was then able to direct like, hey, pass me the ball here because I will do something with it. And that type of conversation direction kind of with the players on the pitch was, you know, really nice to see. And, you know, he, he played centrally, has played centrally before in that nine role uh, previously. And so it's not a surprise that I think he was able to be effective in it. I think what, you know, maybe kind of helped is just how willing the other players were to engage with him to the point that Simon made. Mason was engaging with him. You had Christian who was playing off of him well. You know, you, you were getting uh, Callum forward and he was able to interchange with them too on the right. I mean, we, we found a lot of goodness on the right, even though Chilwell was getting very far forward advanced on the left-hand side. There wasn't a whole much happening from the left. It really all happened down the right side of the pitch. And, you know, I think in that regard, Liam, uh, you know, Kai was very much able to enjoy himself uh, very centrally, uh, which maybe he hasn't had a chance to in the past for Chelsea. Yeah, they got a lot of bodies around him, didn't they? And gave him lots of options um, to combine with. And I think that's really important when you've got Havertz at the point of this attack. He's, I can understand Tuchel saying he's not a false nine because there are, elements of a game where he's playing as a true nine basically he's right he's playing on the shoulder of a defender um and making those runs in behind it and I thought actually he held the ball up really well and ran into channels and did the things that a conventional striker does well as well um so he is a kind of modern hybrid footballer um that can you can look at that a number of ways you can say he's maybe slightly more awkward to build around or you can look at it in the glass half ball way and and think you could actually build a really interesting team um, if you put the right kind of talent around him. And I thought um, Palace was, especially for long stretches of the first half, was the first real sustained look that we've had of what the real Kai Havertz could do for Chelsea. And there there were a few touches, first touches, particularly when he channeled Paul Gascoigne um, with that first time flick over a defender. If that had gone in, I think that would have rivaled Eric Lamella's Rabona for goal of the season, that would have been spectacular. Um, he, his first touch is is a little bit um, Berbatov-esque for me in that it just looks so effortless. And uh, I think he works harder than Berbatov. He, he doesn't. <laughs> low, uh, low bar, but... <laughs> yeah, but I think, I, I think a lot of... I think you will see people who say Havertz doesn't work hard and I think they're judging purely on the way he moves around the pitch because he's, he's long and he doesn't look like he's running that fast. But he does actually lead the press really well. That's another thing he brings as the number nine. So I think he's got an awful lot to offer in this position. Um, And it feels like he wasn't the only one, but he certainly needed a game like this where a few things came up for him. And um, I think Pulisic needed it too. Chelsea's attack generally 
just needed a day where they faced a, like a bottom half team that just weren't on it. Um, and, and they could, they could really get their fill and, and get some confidence up. And hopefully, it, you know, for, for the benefit of all of us watching for the rest of the season, I think hopefully it, it, it you know, gets them going now into a really nice rhythm for the remaining games. Yeah. I think that, um, the media has tended to be pretty favorable towards Havertz because of the potential that everyone's seen. I think Liam, you've probably covered him the most out of anyone out there this season, uh, which has been very helpful because there's a lot of different things to cover with Kai. Um, you did tweet whisper it quietly, but Kai Havertz might have arrived in the Premier League, which hopefully, and then yeah, Simon, and a couple of sorry, a couple of people did point out to me that you can't whisper loudly. Uh, <laughs> I, I understand that, but um, they, they, I think there is an extra grade of whisper that is super quiet, and that that was the grade that I was going for. Liam, was this the a whisper next to the person in a casual lean over, or was this the one where you actually cover your mouth as the whisper is occurring, because so no one can read the lips? I, I mean, just you know, what shade of whisper are we talking about here? I'd say like. You, you you're either in like a church or you're in like a really sensitive meeting and you don't want to be caught out talking to the person next to you that quiet that quiet Under, got so, it you, so, so quiet that, that so quiet that the person who, who's next to you almost has to ask themselves did, did that actually happen did he just <laughs> say what i think he said uh i appreciate it simon you were tweeting that havertz i'm playing as a false nine his quote post-match i like it i think it is a good position for me i have the freedom to go everywhere i want to go and you even went so far as to to put in writing on twitter that you would have given him man of the match despite the misses yeah i mean although i quickly went all poolish <laughs> and yeah. i sort of gave it a bit more thought and then way, way to but, cover yourself <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah well you know i knew it was coming on your show and just thought yeah better get uh, the uh, no, no, but genuinely, Pulisic played well as well. Um, mm-hmm. But the reason why I went for Havertz despite the misses was it was the quality of touch. Like if you think about that game, the the, the sort of for me the, the the thing that I remember most is Havertz's touch of a football. And, and like I've already said before, and, and Liam's just said it again, the Paul Gascoigne esque. I don't know whether you guys know it's a a goal that Gascoigne scored for England against Scotland in Euro 96, where he flicked it over Colin Hendry, left him on the floor and volleyed it in with his other foot. It's, it's a very famous, celebrated goal here in England and, and anyone that was around to see it live, it's something we always remember. Well, Havertz basically did a very similar thing. And the, the sort of the act, it's just, I'm so gutted it didn't go in because it's like, it, it's so, it would have been such a glorious moment. But I Aita, still, Guaita was bang out of order, wasn't he? Yeah, he should have just let it, I mean, let's be honest, it didn't make any difference. <laughs> so we're going to lose anyway. He should have just let it go in and we'd have all had this great girl to celebrate. But yeah, it's it's just, I like I like to think of things that are extraordinary when I when I sort of think of who is, who is the best player and stuff. And I just thought what the kind of touches Havertz that even for his goal, I mean, it was like stroking in, to use the golf analogy, a little putt there. He just sort of lined it up, read the break, and just like keep keeping it up for Nick, who's not here because uh, he's on the golf course. Um, <laughs> you know, it's just beautifully stroked in. Um, and look, I haven't been as, um, what's the word, sort of as effusive as Liam in terms of, of, of habits this season. But when we have been doing the podcast, uh, <laughs> let's just say that, the other people on the podcast have been a bit more critical of Kai Havertz, but I've always seen this 
Um, and this is not being wise off the vent. I've always seen the flashes, you know, the flashes that, that you sort of go, oh, there's the player he could be. Um, it's tantalising, isn't it? It's tantalising. Yeah, yeah. and, and I just think, unlike, and it sounds like I pick on Werner, unlike Werner, who I just think has got a lot of work to do, I think with Havertz, you go, well, there's been a lot of mitigating circumstances that have gone against him, why he struggled this season in general. But there's enough foundations that he's laid down where you go, yeah, Chelsea have bought a properly good player and it's all about patience and time and it will come good. And on Saturday, we, we saw another flash of it. And, and hopefully, because we do have to keep our fingers crossed, that it wasn't just a flash in the pan, that this is the start of things to come. And uh, and it's very exciting if he can maintain that level of performance. It's almost like the way, you know, when a movie comes out, you know, there's the multiple trailers that they release in the build up to the actual movie to get you hyped and excited. And the there's been a couple of matches and this is like one for uh, for Havertz where it's another one of those teaser trailers where you're like, wow, if we get this for the remainder of the season, we are in a very special place in the whole calculus of Chelsea's. FA Cup run, Champions League run, and top four finish are all going to be much improved and uh, really buoyed by that. But if it's just another teaser trailer and we have to wait a couple more matches for him to fully arrive, uh, we might not get all the goodness we're looking for. So fingers crossed the full movie of Kai Havertz is now in theaters at Stamford Bridge for the remainder of the season. <laughs> well, that flick over the defender was the Red Band trailer, wasn't it? That was absolute filth. <laughs> That's not for kids. Well, a big part of the the Kai Havertz discussion is comes down to his position. We've seen him play a few different places uh, since he's arrived at Chelsea. And so Matt, at your man Chu, specifically asked Liam, Kai said he likes the number nine role. Is that where you think, based on all of the coverage and analysis and going to his hometown and talking to all the people who have seen him grow up, do you think that number nine, and I'm not going to say false nine, but number nine role is where you think he has the chance to be most successful? Yeah, I mean, his local butcher in Mariadorf thinks it's his best position, you know. Um, <laughs> uh, no, I think I think in, in this current squad, with this current group of players, yeah, I, I do think he's probably best at the point of the attack. Um, and I think more importantly, Chelsea have looked their best in attack under Tuchel, they're most fluid, um, they're most imaginative, they're most dangerous with him leading that line and, and combining with people. If they go out and get Erling Haaland in the summer, then obviously things change and Chelsea might even go into next season playing a different formation because nothing about Tuchel's career suggests he's wedded to this system. I think he's made a pragmatic decision coming in that this group of players suits this style and he's not the first coach to to conclude that you know back three wing backs um so we'll see what happens but i think for the remainder of this season um i think Havertz has certainly did enough against palace and i think he showed it against everton as well um the game that chelsea won pretty convincingly against everton at Stamford bridge that he he might be the best option um just against most most types of teams uh, as the number nine in what remains of this season. Simon, do you think that this was a big part of the fact that Chelsea didn't do kind of the sideways passing back and forth? We were much more uh, willing to advance the ball. We were much more, I would say, fluid and kind of in attack. Do you think this is, again, more about him, more about him plus the two around him? 
or Palace just literally not being interested on the day? I think it's a combination of everything. And we have to be careful not to get too carried away because, in a way, Palace's performance reminded me of Chelsea's against West Brom. It's sort of very similar kind of, just just not not at it at all. Um, and, of course, you, you have to remember that, that Palace, Roy Hodgson, his time at Palace is coming to an end. Uh, everyone knows it. There's a. It's a club that's going nowhere. There's just. There's nothing really to play for. Um, and in terms, but you know, thinking positively because this is a Chelsea pod. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I think. I think there were a number of factors. Yeah, Havertz was on it. Um, it was key, as I've already said about Pudisic and Mount being close to him, buzzing around him. But also, I think you know you had Jorginho and Kovacic. I mean, Jorginho probably more than anyone. Was the complete did a complete one eighty on what he did against West Brom? I mean, it's like his his attitude and mentality going back to the start of the show, completely different. And it was almost like he was playing like right. I'm, I've got to make amends for what I did last week or didn't do. But also Hudson Adoy bombing it down the right. I thought he was fantastic. Chilwell, I think he's starting to win his battle with Alonso for the left wing back role. Although I wish he'd not got too carried away with his goal against Porto and, and actually squared it for an unmarked Mason Mount rather than smacked it miles wide. Um, so, yeah, I just think there are a number of factors. Um, but the most encouraging thing, it was, a, it was an important win ahead of what is a huge week for Chelsea in, in with, with the two other competitions, which they can hopefully do a 2012 maybe. Um, it coming up, you know, two massive games. So, um, so yeah, it's put them in a great mindset for the, for the week ahead. Dan, do you just want to put a nice little bow on Kai's day with uh, his stats, as ridiculous sure. as they were? Yeah, 53 touches, 9 touches in the opposition box, which was the most in a Premier League game for Kai Havertz. 32 out of 40 passes completed, once chance created, which was the assist for the man we'll talk about next. Uh, five shots, four on target. It was second Premier League goal since the 1st of October. And actually, the goal he scored was one of the lowest, like, to just to for you, Liam, um, understat showed that the XG for his goal um, was actually a .07. Um, he, he had much better chances that he did not end up converting. And so uh, on another day, he probably would have dominated and uh, very easily won the man of the match ball. Yeah, I think he probably should have had a hat trick, shouldn't he? Um, yeah. I, I, I see. I think there are. I don't think the XG model is perfect because that kind no. of <laughs> that kind of chance I would rate as a higher than 0.07 because having played football, when you've got even just through the realm of five aside, um, when you've got a man to kind of use as a guide to curl the ball around like that. And I'm not, not, I'm nowhere near as good as Kai Havertz. So Kai Havertz is far more capable of this than I am. But it, it you, it becomes a little bit easier to curl the ball inside the far post. I and mean, he did it brilliantly and there was minimal backlift. So I think that's mainly what ke- caught the keeper out. But uh, yeah, he had, be- he certainly had better chances. There was one really good one in the second half, wasn't there, where he's played through, took it in stride. And um, Pulisic played him through in the first half as well. And his finishing wasn't quite there. Not the first time we've said that about a Chelsea attacker, but he did. He added plenty, plenty around that. Well, the actual man of the match was one Christian Pulisic. Uh, Very excited as the biased group we are. Simon, I appreciate you doing your homework uh, pre-American pod on the Pulisic uh, day, but he was fun to watch. This is the American 
that we have come to love. This is what I think a lot of us saw at the end of last season, the project restart and everything. Um, health has been a major concern, but again, no signs of weakness today. At Opta Joe saying four, Christian Pulisic has now scored more Premier League goals against Crystal Palace four than against any other team in the competition. I don't know where that's going, but I'm sure it'll endear the home, the local fans. Why does he hate them so much? That's a good question. I don't know. <laughs> Poor Palace. But anyways, your thoughts on Christian? Very, very encouraging. Um, although every time he fell over, I just, I just, I just sort of zoomed, you know, zoomed in on my new TV and just went, "Oh, is he? Is he okay? You know, because he is. It's his one massive, you have to say, weakness is, is his own body." Um, because if if he if he was fully fit, he'd be playing an awful lot more than than he, he has been for Chelsea since he arrived. But uh, as, as I've already said, I'd much rather have a, a fit Pulisic in the team than the team of Werner, because one he is is much better on the ball, but he makes those runs. It, it's the second goal that that running in the, the far post, the deflect. He, he has this knack. He does this probably better than any Chelsea player, attacking player, of of getting in at the back post, making those runs, being there to convert across, being in the area. So very, very encouraging. For and I love the first goal where it was just like, right, I'm just gonna, <laughs> just gonna blast it. No messing it. Whereas Kai Havertz was all about placement and delicacy. This was just the old fashioned. I'm gonna put my laces through it. <laughs> he absolutely smashed it past the keeper. It was, it was lovely. And it was what Havertz should have done with, with a couple of his chances. Um, so, yeah, very, 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 very impressive. Um, I just hope, a bit like Havertz, that it's not a one-off and he keeps his fitness and, and he's good to go and has a repeat of the finish to um, that he had last season, this season. Look, that's a technique on your weak foot. You can't place it, don't place it. Just put your foot through it, see see where it goes. Absolutely roofed it, which is great. Um, you know, Dan, I guess I'll save the next one for Liam, but I'll, I should open it up to you. And I know you were also extremely excited about the dynamism that we saw from Christian and his uh, uh, awkward selfie post-match that the Chelsea FC account <laughs> tweeted out and said, any words for Christian? He didn't look like he was quite ready. He was like mid-smile when they took it. The social media manager maybe didn't give him the appropriate heads up for the uh, the photo timing. Um, yeah, uh, I know. I mean, it, it was great to see his direct runs. Uh, I think after the second goal, he he definitely paused for a moment and like you know kneeled over. It was kind of like rubbing the backs of the legs, and I was just like, oh gosh, no, please no, not again! Like, don't score in one game and then be gone for the rest of the season. We can't have that. It's it's too short a time window left. But you know, in, in general, if we can get 65, 70 minutes, you know, of Christian Pulisic over the next couple of games where he is able to do this and gives other players an outlet, which is, you know, I think the the other element, too, is that if you can cross the ball over and he's going to arrive in the, the back corner and gives you a, a threat, that's going to give defenses a little bit more to consider versus... Uh, you know, if you just put a little pressure on Timo right now, unfortunately, uh, he's likely to turn the ball over and, and not going to get someone uh, connected into the, the play, as we've discussed. And so if if Christian Liam can continue this form, if he can be available, which is his biggest issue really has been this season, it, it, it is just going to be another positive for Tuchel and another positive for 
a couple of big matches coming up here. Diamond always does this when I'm about to talk. He just walks away. Just hates me. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Just give me a shout when you're done. <laughs> he's just gone to get. He's just gone to get a beer. <laughs> yeah, vodka. No, I, I just realised I was starting to, you know, the darkness was starting to uplift to the blind. Anyway, go I'll, on. I'll, it's not I'll that interesting. That's <laughs> all works for me. I think it's always a delicate balance with with Peter Sick because he's the kind of guy that needs to feel, as far as I understand it, he's the kind of guy that needs to feel that he can have a you know a slightly underwhelming game and still you know, play the next one, be picked for the next one and get himself into a rhythm. And that's when you see him get into these um, in- incredible stretches where he's scoring goals and getting assists left, right and centre, which he did twice last season. Both of those things happened when he got a run of games. Um, but you also can't overexpose him because we've seen that his body um, doesn't react well to the rigours of playing th- every three days you know, time after time, he, he he is more susceptible to hamstring injuries than a lot of footballers. And he's had, he's been unlucky with a couple of other types of injuries since he's been at Chelsea as well. Um, so I think it's something to manage, but Chelsea have the squad where they don't have to overexpose Pulisic. They can, they can play in the right amount. And I think what's key for me, picking up from what Simon said, is that he probably has to play the important games. He has to be top of that pecking order um, above Werner. And he was the biggest victim of of Tuchel coming in and essentially prioritising trying to get Werner firing again. Um, and I think, you know, I'm not not saying Chelsea should give up on Timo Werner, certainly not. But I think the body of evidence is big enough this season to suggest, and based on what Pudisic did last year, to suggest that Pudisic has more to offer in the same position right now. Um, and this is winning time this season. You can't afford... If, if you had you know, a game getting stretched in the FA Cup semi-final against Man City, Timo Werner runs in behind. Would you back him to score right now? I I don't know many Chelsea fans that would. And I don't know if he'd back himself, and that's the most important thing. Um, I think Pulisic would, especially having got a couple of of goals against Palace now and and feeling like he could be back in rhythm again. Um, He offers most of the things that Werner offers, but he also offers superior ball-carrying ability and confidence. Uh, and that's why I think he has to play the the biggest games that Chelsea are coming up. And if he does, and if he can, um, you know, get back into the sort of groove that he was in towards the end of last year, leading up to last year's FA Cup final, then Chelsea will have a real, real weapon that they haven't had for most of the season. And and also, just just quickly jumping in, Brandon, that, um, that there's nothing wrong with you know because it sounds like we. Me and Liam are tag teaming on Werner here. <laughs> this wasn't pre-planned, by the way. Uh, the, the, there's nothing wrong with Werner being becoming basically what Tuchel was talking about, Pulisic, an impact sub, and it might actually sort of help his confidence. That one that he's taken out a little bit of the firing line, but that he comes on when when defenders' legs are tiring, and that his pace is then even more of an asset, and perhaps he'll get a couple of goals that way. And then, and then it might actually help him because he gets a few goals. And, and as we all know, strikers, once they get goals, they get confident, et cetera. So I don't think it necessarily has to be a negative that Werner suddenly has to play second fiddle to Pulisic for a while either. Because, yeah, like I said, I think you can imagine in the last 20 minutes, you know, imagine defenders who've been given the run around by Havertz, Mount and 
and Pulisic. Oh no, here comes Timo Werner. That's the fastest play, one of the fastest players in the league. So it doesn't necessarily have to be a bad thing for Werner. It could actually work to his positive, you know, to his um, benefit. Absolutely, I think most fans would agree that Timo's been given more than enough opportunities in matches, starting in different positions, and it hasn't clicked. It's clicked with Christian. So now. Like a lot of other players, Timo will need to prove it on the training ground at Cobham before he's trusted with those minutes again and and as a starter. And that's okay because that's what these team sports are about. Uh, but moving over to the Cobham crew, they played an absolutely important role in this fixture. Mason Mount, Callum Hudson-Odoi enjoyed plenty of the, uh, the goodness versus Palace in this match. Um, Mason Mount quickly getting... I think more universal respect, right? Maybe you could call him the English Kai Havertz, yet he is far surpassed Kai this season. And I've enjoyed the respect because we always talked about Kai when he came in as a generational talent. Mason was just the one who broke through Cobham. To me, Simon, it seems like Mason is absolutely just grabbing the season and, and, forcing everyone to recognize and respect his abilities heading into a huge international summer form as well. Yeah, it's taken a long time, it seems, for him to win over club and country, um, just generally. You know, it's hard because social media is such a hard gauge of, of like, who are the, the genuine fans, who, who are fans who, who, you know, right to express their opinion, but... There seemed to be this real vitriol when it came to Mason Mount, which which I found utterly bizarre. Um, with England, of course, you had, you know, the project Grealish camp. You, you got the Phil Foden camp. You've inevitably from clubs supporting their own player. But you know, we're talking about one of the nicest kids around. <laughs> it's like he's the least offensive person. Doesn't the, the worst crime that he's done, which was splashed all over the back pages about a year ago was that he broke um, COVID protocols to have a kick about with Declan Rice, his mate. And it's like, play, a footballer plays football with friend. <laughs> you know, scandal. Like, Either side shame. Yeah. yeah. It's like, oh, yeah, what a, what a so-and-so, what a disgraceful individual. I mean, look, I understand, you know, protocol, he shouldn't have done it. But it, it kind of sums him up that the thing he got in trouble for was playing football with, <laughs> it's just with like, the average everyday people, like absolutely making their day. Yeah. To to which, not to get into it, Grealish had some headlines as well last quarantine. Slightly they were different. A Slightly different. different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He he, he was playing uh, with fire. Um, <laughs> I really stopped myself from saying that. Uh, anything else? Um, but anyway, back to your original question, Ben. Um, yeah, he's playing great. I think he's the player of the year in waiting. I'd be very surprised if Chelsea fans. Yeah, there'll be other nominees, I'm sure. I'm sure people vote for Kovacic. He's come on strong on a two-call. Um, I think Thiago Silva, um, for the first half of the season anyway, I think was, was superb. Of course, the injury really disrupted him. Um, I'm trying to think of any other sort of genuine candidates. Uh, Mendy. Recently. Yeah, Mendy. You could say Mendy. Mendy? Yeah, yeah. I think he's. I think he's. he'd be in the in the reckoning. But I think you'd also have to say um, that since Tuchel came in in particular, he's been very well protected. Um, it's not like you're looking at Mendy, the Leeds game aside, um, and thinking, Corey, he's, he's, he's making five, six saves a game. 
um, as Liam's already talked about XG and stuff. But yeah, Mason Mount, he, he's he's top. I think Sky Sports they flashed it up uh, when talking about him. He, he's first in the in the in the team in terms of a number of categories: chances created, passes, touches, etc. Um, yeah, he just seems to be a, a young man growing in confidence, and, that, and that's good for Chelsea. And it's certainly good for England. Um, if Southgate thinks he's uh, he should be starting, then um, yeah, it says a lot that he, that uh, Mason Mount's won him over as well. Uh, at Statman David, the numbers for Mason: ninety-two percent pass accuracy, thirty-three final third passes, five shots, three inside the box, four chances created, three ball recoveries, three tackles, one and assist. Another complete performance. And Opta Joe letting us know, Dan, that. Four, all four of Mason Mount's Premier League assists this season have been for headed goals from set-piece situations. Three of those being scored by Kurt Erzuma as well. Uh, so it's a good stat. Not only is he affecting the the play, you know, in, in open play, he's now made us uh, a big, big threat on these set-pieces, which it has been a long time since we are a threat on set-pieces. Well, it's, it's always nice to have defenders who can add goals in the box in, in this type of scenario. And uh, you wish Christensen would find one as well. And, and maybe that's just hoping for something that's never going to happen. But with Zuma in, in this fixture, getting the opportunity, it just almost felt like it was a little clandestine that it was, was going to happen. And Mason's been great about it. But I think beyond all the other stats, the, the moment for me with Mason in this match, which was filled with a lot of scoring, was I... I enjoyed the little uh, tiff with Zaha, where uh, Zaha went to, to go after Mason. He's just like, no, we're not, we're not, we're not having this. And I, I enjoyed his little, um, his little edge that he started to show this season, uh, Liam. I think obviously we've talked about uh, Mason being a nice guy, but I think he also uh, has definitely made himself more of a uh, a presence and letting people know that he's not a, a pushover this season. Yeah, he is. Uh, he has done that and I think that's only natural as well as you become a bit more established on the Premier League stage um, and feel a little bit more comfortable I mean all these guys back themselves to be good enough to play in the Premier League but you you kind of feel more comfortable in your own skin you know alongside these guys week after week and there there are certain players who have it from day one you know like Deli Ali was a provocateur from the moment he walked into the Premier League and I love that about him Um, I love players that are like that but um, Mount, I think, has also probably realised that the more outgoing he is as a as a kind of presence um, in Chelsea games, the more he can mark himself out as a future captain. Um, and I, I, I'm sure that's something that that is important to him. And I think it's something that people at Chelsea are already talking about as you know it could be in his near future, not not necessarily even in his long term future. So um, I think that's a an aspect of Mount's game that, of course, fans will warm to uh, because of the, the whole tribal nature of it. Or you love to see your player winding up someone else um, or just not taking any rubbish from other players. Uh, and it's something that's just important, I think, in a winning player. But more generally on Mount, um, the thing I really like about him is obviously he's got an, an awful lot of talent to to get where he, where he is at such a young age. Um, but the thing... I think he has that's that's really rare. Um, and I think it's something Lampard had as a player. I think it's something I see in Harry Kane. Um, is It's just that kind of relentless drive every single day 
to to improve to be the best they can be there there are no games off you know he he'll play through slight knocks um it, you know there were times last season where i thought mount was going to be out for a couple of weeks with ankle injuries and he was back 3 days later and i'm not not saying players are bad if they don't do that um but it i think it just it's another thing that shows just how determined he is um, to play every single game, every single minute, and not not just play, but play at a hundred percent intensity. He always leads the press. He always sets the tone. That's why Lampard loved him. That's why Southgate has loved him from the moment he he came into the the senior reckoning. Um, and I think he's partly paid with 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 fans for being best at some of the things that aren't the sexiest to watch. They're they're the things that coaches love. Um, and, and win you a coach's unconditional trust, but they're not the things that fans warm to. They're not spe- necessarily always spectacular goals or stepovers or amazing passes. That's why I think the, the goal against Porto might get a bit more respect because that was a goal of brilliant imagination um, and fa- you know flawless technical execution. And that's what Mount's capable of as well. But I, I just think he's he's kind of intangibles. The kind of that's what they call it in American sports. His his kind of mental makeup. Um, I think that's what elevates certain very good players into great ones. And I think barring um, barring sort of, you know, injury or some other unforeseen problem, I think Mount's attitude is likely to make him a great player. And, and just quickly jumping on that, sorry, Brandon, I know you want to probably move along, but I, I just it, it's just backing up, backing up what Liam's has said, the piece I wrote about Mason very recently, which... which um, Liam highlighted got got the abuse treatment from Gary Lineker, which he he clearly hadn't read it. Um, he just read the tweet and just took it the wrong way. Went yeah, you know, and just did one of those snide tweets. But but in, in the actual copy, um, the, the I, I spoke to this agent um, of one of the youth players, and he was telling me that he's he's telling his his client and and not not just him. A number of the young players in the academy, they're looking to Mason as their example. Of course, there's a lot of first team players, you know, from the academy. But the one, the one that he's saying, no, that's the path to choose. That's that's the one to emulate. Watch what he does. Look how he acts. Um, and it's Mason Mount. And also, when these young kids are talking to Mason, who, who apparently gives them all the time in the world, they're not getting the impression that Mason thinks he's made it. They're getting the impression that it's almost like he hasn't been given a debut yet. <laughs> so he, he doesn't, he doesn't, he's not going around with that attitude of I'm, I'm Billy big time. Um, so yeah, I just wanted to sort of back up what Liam was saying that he, he, he has this work rate. Um, he's, he's not settling for what he's done so far. He's very much, um, wanting to just continually work on his game, and that is being that's not going unnoticed within Cobham. Well, another another one that we did want to touch on, I think briefly, just was was Calum Hudson Odoi, like we had mentioned. I think besides the fact that he shot out of the gate, was very lively, very energetic. I think if you just were to simplify it, Dan, he's a different option than Reese James. We should not be comparing one to the other because this is not apples to apples this is a very attack minded player um who is much more comfortable and better in that kind of attacking third maybe attacking half than reese 
They're just different players that offer different things. And it's so great to see maybe Callum have some limited minutes lately, pop right back into the starting 11 as if he'd been there the entire time. This is the renewed sense of the right mentality and attitude I think Frank had been trying to get out of him. He's had some time to mature, still extremely young. Brilliant performance uh, against, again, a Wolfel Palace. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, I, I think that would be a caveat on every single performance, but I would rather try to uh, bolster what he did in saying that. It, you know, I mean, it, it's a different option from Reese, obviously, um, you know, to the point that Simon made as he walks off camera yet again. Um, he uh, ultimately w- you know, was one of the furthest forward players in this match. And so he was finding that little maybe to do as Palace were inviting this pressure, inviting Chelsea to kind of come back and play off of Mason, to play off of Kai. And I, I mean, when you are engaging and able to connect with players in that way versus maybe not having a central striker or maybe not having someone who is making themselves available, it makes your job way more difficult. And so the other components, the other players on the pitch were making it easier for Callum to engage to, uh, you know, I think the stats here, 45 final third passes, which was first for the team, 39 final third passes completed first for the team, nine ball recoveries, uh, second, five chances created first, two successful take-ons first. So like he did really well in this role. I mean, I think we would still love to see him maybe not be restricted by the requirement of playing as a, a wingback, but maybe playing as a front attacker where he would have even more freedom to try to engage and to work off these players. But when called upon, you know, and I think it also gives maybe Tuchel another option, Liam, where if Azpilicueta, who has been an Ironman for Tuchel, does need a rest at some point, you potentially could even play Reese James further back in a three like he did in the U system for Chelsea and then give Callum an opportunity to play this right wing back. And I think that would be a really exciting thing to watch as well. Yeah, I think it's all matchup dependent, to be honest. Um, I think a lot of the games that we've seen so far where Hudson and Doyle has been played as a wing back, he hasn't really actually played as a wing back. Simon alluded to it earlier. When you look at the average positions, he was a right winger against Palace because I think Tuchel specifically pinpoints opponents who he knows are going to sit deep who he knows that Chelsea have a good opportunity to pin back in their own half. Um, and in those situations, Hudson-Odoi will get plenty of opportunities to to basically play in the conventional wing position. He won't have to track back very much because Chelsea will be winning the ball back higher up the pitch. Um, and one of the reasons why he's so good in that wing back role is because in, in the same way um, that you saw, I think, with Victor Moses under Conte, and um, they're always the the extra man over. So at, at most, when he gets the ball, he'll have one man to beat. And if you're that one man and you're facing Callum Hudson-Odoi, you're not in a very n- nice situation because his speed and skill can eliminate virtually any defender in a 1v1 situation. He's, he's just got that talent and he's got that um, athletic ability as well. Um, so I think that it, it kind of simplifies the game in that respect. But... Um, I agree. I'd like to see him play in the front three as well um, a little bit. Sorry, that was my puppy yawning in the background. Uh, I think, um, and, and we saw flashes. I think there was a goal, wasn't there, where he, was it against Everton, where he, he there was some smart interchange in position. He was on the left of the front three, switched positions with Alonso, played him in, pulled back to Mount, who scored on the edge of the box. 
It was a really nice well-worked goal. That showed, I think, that Hudson-Odoi's intelligence can work for Chelsea in more central areas as well. Um, but I just think Tuchel likes him in that wing-back role against defensive-minded opponents because he just offers so much in that position. Callum, Hudson, Adoy, uh, Bayern, step off. I think we've found a home for him, and I think he <laughs> feels at home, which is good. Uh, but, Dan, I want to roll on to your Dan of the match. Probably one of the easiest Dan of the match pulls you've ever had. Like, I, you nailed it. Well done. Well, thank you. I, I mean, I asked the question, but uh, Pulisic, Mount, Havertz, and Zuma were the options. Pulisic with 45%. Uh, it was Havertz next with 32, Mount with 21, and then poor Kurt Zuma with a 1.5. We'll round it up to two. Uh, I, I think maybe an honorable mention for Jorginho, too, I think who had a, a very good game and uh, to the point that Simon made earlier, definitely a 180 from the West Brom performance, too. And so uh, it was nice to see him get a good uh, good match in as nope, well. Can't say that about Jorginho. You know that. <laughs> you can't support him. You can't praise him. Chelsea, Twitter. Well, not like, except that. You can only be on one side of that war, <laughs> that Chelsea Twitter war. Do you like Jorginho or you don't? Because uh, it puts you in a camp. <laughs> so divisive. So divisive. Uh, so the race for the top four this weekend, right? West Ham, no rice, no problem. Tottenham, Varsanity, but United help us out. Thanks, Fred, of all people. Dan, I did not watch any of that. So, Varsanity, what, what in the world? I don't know. Maybe Human Son uh, got hit by Tom McTominay. Maybe he didn't. I don't know. Uh, you know, like, uh, look, there was, a, there was a lot going on with that. But ultimately, uh, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer and his team uh, did a good job against Tottenham and uh, buffered them back from... In closing on us in a top four race but look Liverpool winning uh, against Aston Villa that that doesn't necessarily help um, you know it, like it just it's getting tighter and uh, that is not a good thing when you think about uh, the matches we have in hand that we still have to play are not necessarily the easiest of competition we do have West Ham which becomes now a massive fixture and probably the the decider actually uh, of our kind of future here maybe the Leicester match as well yeah so kind of the teams around us you know Man City losing to 10-man leads surprisingly doesn't affect us as Man City cruise to the title at this point as you point out Liverpool winning over Villa us stomping Crystal Palace adding to the the goal difference uh, West Ham beating Leicester City 3-2 was a very crucial one I think all Chelsea fans should have had an eye on that one if they didn't then you got United beating Tottenham earlier today, three to one. Then the next one up is probably Everton, right, playing Brighton on Monday. So uh, those are kind of the the different results. Anything, Simon, stand out to you as surprising? I mean, this this West Ham team, I think for me, they're not. We can't shake them. No, um, I mean, David Moyes is the job he's done there is, is remarkable, absolutely remarkable. Um, you know, he has to be in the conversation for manager of the year, even though Pep Guardiola um, will probably get it because he's going to win the league and possibly a few other things. Hopefully Chelsea uh, might stop him from winning one of those things. Um, but yeah, phenomenal te team spirit. Uh, Jesse Lingard, of course, is 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 having a, a massive galvanising effect. Who would have thought that? I mean, I must admit... Best player in the league right now. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's <laughs> since he arrived, no one scored more goals than him. I mean, I mean, I must admit, he's a better player than I thought he was. Um, I always thought he was... He benefited from being part of a very good Man United side. 
whenever I saw him for England, I, I wasn't particularly overwhelmed. Um, but he, he's just in the form. He has to say he's in the form of his life at the moment. Um, I just had this feeling. Can we? I, I feel like this is an element of Leicester 2016. It's like, can they sustain this? I, I keep waiting for them to slip up. They, they take three goal leads and only just hang on, sort of like every single week. You, you just think that sooner or later that they've got to pay the price for this inability to keep clean sheets um, even when they're leading. And Lingard can't score every single week, surely. So um, I, I still think that the thinking man, uh, not saying I'm one of those, you, you would have to say that that in a, two, if, in a straight race between the two clubs, Chelsea and West Ham, if we take all the others out of the equation, you'd still back Chelsea to finish above West Ham. I think as, as things stand, because they you look at the squads and they're, they're, they're Chelsea's a far better squad than West Ham's, but their character seems to be getting them through week in week out. But it's still a lot of games to go, a lot of points to play for. Yeah, I was I was quite surprised to see the the three two win over Leicester City, which you you know they're not a bit of a slide. You know they they've lost the last two, but then they're undefeated in the three before that. So. I don't know. The tables at Sands, Man City, 32 matches played, 74 points in first. United, 31 played, 63 points. So a bit of a gap. Then you've got Leicester City in third on 31 played, 56 points. West Ham, 31, 55 points. Chelsea, fifth, 31 played, 54 points. So it's <laughs> one point apiece between third, fourth, fifth. And you've got Liverpool uh, up to sixth on 52 points with 31 played. So Again, a two-point cushion uh, off Liverpool. Uh, you still have Everton, who have two games in hand. So, right, they have a possible six points, which would put them at fifty-three points. It, it, it's tight. It's very tight uh, below us, which is a lot of pressure for us to to go into it. I think Liam. I think more people think Leicester might fall out than um, than anyone else. Obviously, with all these teams pushing at the end to try to try to get up. That West Ham Chelsea match for me is to Dan's point is so so important, but it's so important because intermixed with this, we have Champions League still, right? <laughs> We're not West Ham who just gets to focus on the league one match a week. We're in the semifinals of the FA Cup. Uh, and we're halfway down the Porto in, in the quarterfinals, and the Champions League run is looking pretty sexy right now. It feels pretty jarring, actually, to to cover a season in which Chelsea still have three trophies to chase in April. I can't actually remember the last time. I think the most has been two. You know, the year they won the league under Conte, that obviously they had the FA Cup as well, but they weren't in the Champions League. I think the last time was probably Mourinho's um, first season when they were in the tight in the tight first season back. Obviously, 2013-14, when they were in the in the title race all the way to the end, got to the Champions League semis. And I know they weren't very good in the domestic cups, were they? It doesn't work. Anyway. Um, but yeah, it's they, they've got an awful lot to play for. And fortunately, Tuchel has a big squad with which to navigate all of this. Um, he's going to need it and he's going to need to rotate smartly. Uh, but it does make it a very, very difficult balancing act. And I know he got uh, criticised after the West Brom game for you know, making too many changes and people saying, you know, Chelsea played like a group of strangers. But well, they were, the, the team they put out was good enough to win. They just didn't play anywhere near well enough. Um, so it will just come down to how they play. And that West Ham game is just 
monumental. Who would have thought two months ago that that game would be so crucial to to the top four hopes? But Chelsea also have their final four games look tricky. If if City haven't completely won the league, then that's not going to be an easy game. They've got Arsenal as well, Leicester, Aston Villa. Um, so yeah, it's it's going to be it's going to be a, a very tight finish. I think it might even go to the final day. Chelsea, by the way, can can claim an assist for West Ham's revival because if you remember they were completely hopeless until Chelsea rolled over at the London Stadium three um, one. If you remember. I think it was three one, wasn't it? Um, uh, what three nil the the twenty first of December? No, no, um, uh, last oh, July last season. Last July. Oh yes. Um, if you remember, it was was it three one three two something like that. They were on the verge of getting relegated, selling Declan Rice across exactly. London. Exactly. It was all going wrong. That, that was the end of the Declan Rice deal right there. <laughs> but, but yeah, I mean, as I said, Moyes did brilliantly to keep them up. And, and he's, I mean, like I said, has to be in the manager of the year conversation because no one had West Ham, um, backed West Ham to be up there uh, anywhere near um, top four at the start of the season. And yet, here we are. Dan, give us, wrap us up with the 538 projections for the league and the Champions League, and we can put a bow on it. Yeah, so uh, no surprise, uh, Man City, 99% uh, probability to qualify for Champions League and make uh, win the Premier League. So uh, congrats to them. Uh, Man United, uh, obviously the one who separated themselves from the race for a top four spot. Uh, they look like they are set to go forward. And then Leicester, Liverpool, both in the, uh, the mid-50s here. And Liverpool actually have... A phenomenally easy run of fixtures to close out their season, which, uh, you know, even on mediocre form, the clubs that they have to play against to, to round out their final games against Crystal Palace, Burnley, West Brom, Southampton, their, their last four is very, very favorable. And uh, you could understand why they might get a little bit of the edge here. Um, Chelsea, 46% probability finishing the top four. West Ham at 35%, maybe a little underappreciated there. Um, and then for the Champions League, uh, the probability for making the final, number one Man City at 62% probability. But Chelsea... 46% probability, according to 538, to make the Champions League final. And look, when you don't concede goals, um, it's very easy to put yourself in the contention for every competition you're in. Um, you know, and uh, currently second overall to win the final based on projections ahead of Real Madrid, 19% to 18%. Man City, the clear favorite, though, in every competition at the moment. Well, exciting times to say the least. Uh, but thank you to Lehman and Simon bringing on Cobham's fine. The, the, the two of, you know, I guess some of our favorite friends again on the athletic, go check them out. All right. If you haven't subscribed, I'm sure if you tweeted them, they have a referral link. Uh, we've been pushing it all season. Our discord, uh, all huge fans of it covering the articles on there. Um, so go check them out. Uh, their their content is well worth the price of admission. So, gentlemen, thank you for uh, hanging out with us for a little bit on this Sunday. Pleasure. And um, yeah, let's let's hope whenever we next talk, because uh, we don't know if there'll be another one this season. But you know, we we'll be reflecting on uh, 
some more silverware in the cabinet. Here, here. The ultimate goal. Thanks for having us back, guys. Uh, our pleasure, Liam. I promise that. So, all right, go thank him on Twitter. Go tell him you appreciate having him on. But that's going to wrap us up. Uh, as I mentioned before, uh, we got another big week coming at us. Porto, Matt Law, and then Naz with the FA Cup of the weekend. So clear your schedules, Chelsea fans. Get the meeting set so you can watch the Porto match and then get ready for the FA Cup of the weekend. Um, big week of tournament football for Chelsea. Anyway, so that's going to wrap us up. Chelsea fans, until next time, you know what to do. Keep the blue flag flying high.